Did you ever watch Kim Possible when you were a kid? No, Kim. probably not. Mm. You have weird pop culture things. I think I saw, this is an animated show. Yeah, it was a Disney animated show about like a sort of, you know, like at school, she's a cheerleader, but by night she's a super spy. Yeah, I didn't watch that. That wasn't my favorite. There was a scene where the villains randomly did karaoke and oh. I was just thinking of that. Mm, wow, that would make villains so much more interesting. Yeah, here we are once again uh, in the scenic Chava's room. Mm-hmm, yeah, my plants are looking incredible. I just keep looking at them and thinking about how beautiful they are. You know, the plants are not the only thing that's looking incredible in your room right now. What else? You're looking so good. Oh, thanks, my. You got your hair, new look. Yeah, it's true. I've been tr- I've been trying the half up, half down look. People, let me know what you think. Yeah, you look statuesque. Thank you, Michael. A little silver lining to life. The existential terror. Mm -hmm. The honey mustard malaise that invades the hearts of all. Uh, Michael. Yes? It's that time again where I ask, hi, how are you? Oh, how am I? How am I? I am, you know, this moment sitting Mm -hmm. with you in your room on your giant, comfortable. This magic moment. uh, Yeah, this magic moment. This magic moment. Uh, On this giant king-size bed. Which you so sweetly got for me. I feel pretty good. I got a gender doctor appointment. Oh, yeah. yeah. An appointment with a genderologist. Yeah, how are you feeling about that? I'm excited about it. I'm, I really hope... To get a gender diagnosis. Yeah, to get a gender diagnosis and get some associated... Gender-related treatment. Drugs. For your genderitis. We'll see what comes of it. I'm doing some research. You invited me to that Facebook group. It's true. I invited Michael to a Facebook group about HRT. Because listeners, surprise, surprise, I'm a giant faggot. It's true. The reports are in. Mm-hmm. Yep. The evidence is undeniable. It's right here. The future is now. Uh, You've been playing Animal Crossing a lot? Oh, yeah. That was really the straw that broke the gender camel's back. Animal Crossing? Yeah, it's like, oh, shit. I am gay, aren't I? <laughs> I'm glad Animal Crossing could do that for you. Oh my god, my bedroom in Animal Crossing is so beautiful. It's kind of a green theme. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice bed. It has a little xylophone in it. A Aww. little green piano bench mm-hmm. next to the window. Cute. Yeah, it's fucking gorgeous. Sounds adorable. I was always trying to make my room like sort of like a peaceful spa theme, but I could never quite get the right objects. Yeah, yeah, you gotta be patient. Yeah, which I am not. Your plants look so nice. Right, that's what I'm saying. Hava. Mm-hmm. How are you? Baruch <laughs> Hashem. I'm okay. I'm looking up at this beautiful piece of art that my friend Leroy made for me on commission. I commissioned my friend Leroy to make a Mizrach piece of wall art, which is like a piece of art that you hang on your east wall to sort of mark the direction for prayer. And it's just so beautiful. It's like golden and covered in pomegranates. It's incredible. I'm so happy with it. And I'm happy with my plants. I'd say the biggest challenge right now is the lack of shalom in the home. Do we want to go there on the pod? I mean, I don't want to go all the way there. I don't want to go into like the dictic of it. I just want my fans to know that it is challenging. Challenging time. It's challenging. It's hard to live with people sometimes. And I feel like super haunted by like existential fear about fascism and climate change and stuff like that. But on a micro scale, I feel like pretty good. I like am really good about like meditating and praying every morning and I'm really feel like I'm really growing in my teaching practice and you know my relationship is going really cute right now yeah it's very cute it's really cute we play D&D together it's precious oh yeah he's like adorable (sighs) I know 
you know, it's kind of weird to have that tension between like, I'm actually doing really good taking care of myself on a micro level. And on a macro level, everything is like so terrifying. I guess rich people probably experience that tension all the time, but maybe they're not as aware of it. Oh, I got some news I was really excited about today, which is not very personal, but this coffee shop, which is down the road from us, the owners are selling it. And all of the workers who were on the verge of unionizing before this announcement are discussing buying it as a workers co-op. Wow. Yeah. So I'm really excited because the coffee shop closest to me was bought by some really shitty people last year and it's been slowly going downhill. So I'm excited that this slightly further away coffee shop might become like really cool and like run by people who I know. The labor organizing in Providence is pretty schwach. It's pretty weak. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting to see the potential of some kind of development in that area. You know, that's beautiful shit right there. Yeah. We're, we're all for a collective ownership of uh, capital on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, even amidst the existential terror, there are still true moments of beauty and joy. So that's true. That's all we fucking get. Listeners, we're giving you the <laughs> hard hit and real talk today. There's a part of a prayer that I'm working on learning right now, which is the prayer of Hannah. She goes to the temple because she wants to pray to have a child and she's praying so like fervently that the priest comes up to her and is like, why are you praying while you're drunk? And she's like, bitch, I'm not drunk. Shut the fuck up. And then Whoa. she becomes the mother of someone really fucking important. So she was like praying so hard that yeah. it's like she became intoxicated. Well, it's that the priest thought she was intoxicated. I don't know if it's as if she became intoxicated. Maybe you could read it that way. But all we know is how the priest perceived her. We don't really know what her internal state was, I guess. Wow. So it's a super cool prayer that I'm working on integrating into my morning prayers. And I was just learning this line, the bows of the mighty are broken and the fallen rise girded with strength. One, that's just a dope line. Wait, say it one more time. The bows of the mighty are broken mm. and the fallen rise girded with strength. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was striking me as really Taoist. I'm also reading the Tao right now and a big theme in the Tao is the strongest position is sort of to be weak you know like go low in order to be go high like be like water mm -hmm. and just like flow around instead of trying to like muscle your way through things yeah that verse really felt like it contained some of that same mystical philosophy if you're mighty you're gonna be destroyed and if you're fallen you'll rise you know and our words broke their swords when our old Frank failed. I don't know. Oh, you don't that, know that one? That tune. Oh, man, it's a Jew tune. Oh, great. Definitely keep that in the show. Well, maybe we'll see. Definitely keep that in the show. Okay, okay. Oh, right. Okay. I hope you all enjoyed that banter because it was fun for me to talk about. I've been thinking about that verse a lot. Okay, uh, enough about you. <laughs> Let's talk about Jew. As our devoted listeners may recall, last week we talked a little bit about Adam HaRishon, the first being, and how they were created potentially either with a tail or with two gendered sides. Either way, it's wrong. <laughs> either way, it's fucking wild. And I promised you that we were going to get into some even wilder gender trouble this week. We're on the same 
Daf that we were on last time. We're on Erovin 18, and this time we're on side B. And here's the deal. Rabbi Yermia ben Elazar, who we've heard from a couple times on this stuff, says all of the years that Adam was in exile from the Garden of Eden, he gave birth to spirits and demons and night spirits. Or also uh, another translation is spirits, demons, and female demons. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> This was when he was in the garden or after? This is after he's kicked out. He gave birth to. Is that mm-hmm. a metaphor? I mean, we don't know, but the verb is the same as someone physically giving birth. For now, where we are in the text, I would say it's equally valid to say it is metaphorical or physical. I could am more interested in believing it's physical. I have no reason to believe it's not other than like cissexism and homophobia. It's the verb for birth, the same word that we use for birthday. And this is Rabbi Eliezer who's using the uh, Rabbi Yermia ben Elisar. So that this is not from the Tanakh. This is straight out of Gemara. Yeah, this is this is straight out of the Gemara. Wouldn't it be wild if that was in Tanakh and you just hadn't noticed it? <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh... <laughs> yeah, Rabbi. Yermio ben Elisar says that the whole time Adam was exiled, he gave birth to spirits, demons, and female demons. So the three words here are ruchin, shaitin, and lilin. Ruchin is a word that means spirits. It comes from the word for wind, ruach. That's one kind of supernatural bad being he was pumping out. And then shaitin, or shaitim, depending on what dialect you're in. Those are demons, and they're also definitely bad. They do all kinds of wild stuff in the Talmud. If you want to learn more about them, go listen to the podcast Throwing Shade. That's spelled S-H-E-Y-D. It's a podcast about Jewish demonology, and it's incredible. If you're listening to the show, host of Throwing Shade, send us a message. We'd love to have you on the show. Yes, please. Yeah, and then Lilin, which this translation that I'm looking at translates it as female demons. Although a lot of people have understood that term to mean children of Lilith, a.k.a. the wife that Adam had before Eve, which that's a whole episode all its own. Yeah, that's a whole different mythological thing to go down. The Lilin, this is actually a concept that was shared in other religions in the area. Mesopotamians and all those folks, they had this same concept of Lilin, which were sort of like night spirits that did fucked up stuff. Maybe like interfered with your wife's birth or Mm -hmm. like attacked you in the evening. Is there like a succubus-esque quality to these? Oh, yeah. We're going to get into that in a second. It's going to become real succubusy. (laughs) I love succubusy. (laughs) Should I give us some more text to work on? Is there more you want to say about this part? No. This is all, you know, it's (laughs) It's pretty normal. Normal so far. Here's another thing that I think is really uh, interesting. The page goes on to say, All right, what kind of deathly spell did you just cast on all of us? No way, no way. The proof text that we bring is, as it was written, Adam lived 130 years and he begot a son in his own likeness after his image. So by 
inference, up until the point of 130 years, he bore sons that were not in his own image. This is a logical leap that Yermia ben Elazar made thousands of years ago. All right. All right. I'm listening, Rabbi. He explains what he means is that if it says he lived to 130 and bore a son of his own image, the fact that it says of his own image there, which could be seen as superfluous, but in Talmud, generally, there's the belief that no words in Tanakh are superfluous. So if there's something that seems superfluous, we need a midrash to explain it. So it's saying, essentially, why did it say his own image? Must be that before he bore children that were not in his own image. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. All right, all right. I'm seeing how you're getting from A to B. Another commentator comes in and says, did Adam really give birth to demons? Like, Adam, we know that Adam was a pious person, literally a chassid is what they call him. How could it be that he possibly gave birth to demons? He would never... That was my next question. ...do something like that. The stama, the sort of anonymous redactor of the Talmud, comes along to resolve this by saying... When Rabbi Yermia said that, what he meant was, what the commentator wants us to believe he meant was, that these demons were formed from the semen that Adam accidentally emitted. Accidentally. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. There is sort of this whole myth that comes up a couple places in Jewish texts that Lilith, this aforementioned character we talked about before, when people with semen masturbate or have an accidental emission or whatever, she sort of demonically snatches that shit and impregnates herself with it somehow to bear thousands upon thousands of demons. So you're telling me right now that I could go to my parents and be like, Mom, Dad, you have grandchildren. Yeah, actually, so there's a popular practice that sons should not go to their father's graves for the funeral. I mean, this is not universally practiced, but it's in some Jewish cultures, it's a superstition. And the reason is because if they go to the grave, they will see all of the demon children that their father sired, and it will be like a shame upon the family. That implies that like everyone kind of knows. <laughs> everyone does. Everyone sires a few everyone does demon it. babies. Although I guess in this aspect, if you don't, ejaculate you are like pure from (laughs) demonic issues this is like the story of onan too yes definitely related issues i feel like jews just have a semen fetish they just don't want (laughs) to waste a drop of it you know not a single drop yeah they just want to go to waste no they need all of it the catholics take it farther though you know because the catholics are like you can't even use protection because you're preventing potential babies from being born which is just like murdering them the jews As far as I know, there's really no extant practice of people being like birth control is forbidden. In fact, even in highly observant communities, it's common for women to use birth control to sort of control their periods so that the issues of period impurity, the issues of nita, don't like become too onerous. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So we learned that Adam gave birth to, Mm -hmm. in some physical or or metaphorical way, to lots Mm -hmm. of evil spirits and demons and Mm -hmm. lady demons. And lady demons. Demons of all genders. And he was doing this well before he had Cain and Abel. I actually think the son that it's referring to... Seth? Yeah, let me check. Wasn't Seth after Cain and Abel? I don't know. Yes. This verse that Yermia ben Elazar is drashing is referring to Seth. I think this is like Cain and Abel, and then there's a big gap 
of demon spawn and then Seth. Oh, oh I don't know. Okay. Let's look okay. at the timeline. Um, okay, I'm go- I'm like looking through Adam's genealogy. Okay, so Cain does that shit, and then Cain has a bunch of babies, and there's a bunch of generations of Cain, and then Seth. So I actually don't know how much time passed between Cain and Seth. I don't know like what the Venn diagram of all these periods of time that we're talking about is. Genesis 5.1, we start with this, the record of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female, he created them. And when they were created, he blessed them and called them man. When Adam lived 130 years, he begot a likeness after his image and named him Seth. Seth lived for 800 years. Oh, shit. And then Adam lived to 930 and then he died. So there's the whole story of Cain and Abel. And then we get the genealogy of Cain and all of his sons. And then it says, this is the record of Adam's line. The first thing it talks about is Seth. And it doesn't say anything about Cain and Abel. The text itself is kind of vague. And yeah, there's a lot of weird reiteration and vagaries. So at some point during Adam's fertile period. Yes. (laughs) He was producing demons. A plenty. Like scary shit was coming out of his body. Yeah, either he was giving birth to them or his semen was accidentally sort of being like a chemical X situation <laughs> leading to the Powerpuff Girls, aka the demons of Adam. Yeah, there you go. Okay. And like everyone does it. The implication of the rabbis is like everyone. Yeah, birds do it. Bees do it. <laughs> Even educated fleas do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's give birth to demons. <laughs> Birds do it, bees do it, even educated fleas do it. Let's do it. Let's give birth to demons. Oh my god. (laughs) All right, Peggy Lee. (sighs) Wow, wow. So, yeah. So, what is a gender? What is a birth? What is a semen? You know? Yeah, it's all these questions. We just don't know. The past is stranger than we can even imagine. Well, so, listeners, what you should take from this is you don't have to feel shame about your masturbation oh yeah definitely i don't want our listeners to feel any shame about their masturbation you have to feel shame if other people discover the products of your masturbation (laughs) right which in this case are demon babies which you know i'm fine with you know i live with a bunch of people like i don't know when you masturbate hava Mm -hmm. thank god i only know about it when you tell me about it right and like if there's like an interesting story right or a demon baby appears on our doorstep with a little note on it that says this is yours Ava. you know michael i was masturbating the other day and a demon baby came out i feel like this is a good life lesson this is like rosemary's baby the origin story yeah yeah oh, the man. real fucking omen mm-hmm. maybe one metaphor we could draw from the idea that a lot of people produce demon babies in our life all of our actions have potentially unforeseen consequences in the world you know, the butterfly effect and all that stuff. But no amount of anxiety will prevent that from happening. There's no way we can possibly plan for all of the far-reaching consequences of our actions. We can only do our best to take care of our lives. I always find it interesting when people in the past kind of associate sexual things with 
negative qualities or badness. Yeah. It contrasts sometimes very directly with the sort of sex positivity that sort of is pervasive. Right. You and I exist in sort of a subcultural world where sex positivity is pretty yeah. established. I've had conversations with, with a handful of ladies who are starting to talk about intellectual backlash, a little bit of a neo-dworkinism coming, mm-hmm. coming back to the discourse about sex. Sure. I probably wouldn't agree with the rabbis sure. or a lot of people from the past about sex. But what I do believe is that there is some sort of interesting connection between sex and um, power and power and evil and kind of not being a moral person. I'm not saying there's a direct relationship, but I think it's interesting that these people were picking up. Maybe I'm projecting onto them on this complex relationship between sex, power, and, uh, you know. Uh, There are lots and lots of reasons that ancient cultures are such tight asses about sex. Maybe part of the reason is, like, sex is a time where people are, like, incredibly vulnerable to each other's power. And therefore, it's a time where it's really potentially easy to act immorally. You know, it's a time when our actions have heightened consequences is during sex. It's a time of great potential for, you know, curse or blessing. Yes, a materialistic, like women are property uh, kind of patriarchal lens. It doesn't explain it enough. There's like a psychological. That's that's only part of the picture. I feel like there's kind of an interesting parallel between our existential moment now and the kind of moment that I think sex is, which is like the way I've heard the situation we're in now, especially in America, it's this time where many things are up in the air, where after a long time of stability, things are in flux and fascism could happen. The revolution could happen. It's just a time of a lot of potential where a lot of new changes could happen really quickly to the fabric of our society. And those could be super cool or, as it seems like recently, super, super bad. I think sex is like a similar moment, a hinge, a turning where like you can really connect with someone and like be a blessing to each other or like you can really fuck up. I think you're right. And this reminds me a lot of Sam Biagetti's episode about the Enlightenment. He has an argument that says like the Enlightenment is a total myth and really what the 18th century was about was kind of similar to how you're describing our time now where there's a lot of ideas and particular hinges. Lots of people were having lots of different ideas like there were people who didn't believe in God but then they believed in like eugenics and there are people Mm -hmm. who are like really into God but were really into like egalitarian policies. That's kind of one of the hinges like your relationship to God and I think now one of the hinges I think it's sex and how how to relate to sex as a modern. Speaking of San Biagetti I think that's a great way to start wrapping our episode up. Michael do you want to tell our listeners about the next episode i'm very excited i'm continuing my interviewing jew journey if you don't remember sam was on i think episode seven yeah it's called interview with the sampire he's my friend historian he's also running for public office in massachusetts i wanted to talk to him about why he believes in god and i just wanted to kind of throw that at him and see where he went with it so i'm excited to present that to you guys and have you listen to it, Hava? Yeah, week. I'm really excited to make that episode. As we wrap up, listeners, I would like to, of course, ask you to join my Patreon. Keep me eating bread and 
under a roof. I would also humbly request that you call or text the Talmud Hotline at 401-484-1619. Send us a text or leave us a voicemail for something you want us to talk about on the show. We love to hear from you. And it always makes for a really good episode. Maybe you just want to say hi to us. We treasure that. Connection people. Follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Chai How Are You? And you can find Michael at Miss underscore figured. And I think that brings us to the end of our time together. I think it does. Listeners, love you. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.